My name is Melinda Butler. I'm an attorney with Butler Law Firm. The longer I practiced law, the more I recognized the confusion that existed around the rights of parents and grandparents involved in Department of Social Services legal matters. For that reason, I started Facebook Live in November of 2019 and this podcast in October of 2020 called Family Strong to build your family unit through character, integrity, and knowledge for parents and grandparents in the legal issues of the DSS system. I'm an attorney with Butler Law Firm. My name is Melinda Butler. I bring this uh, Family Strong podcast to you every Thursday, and I um, record these sessions and put them on the Spotify and other apps that carry uh, carry podcasts on there. So today I'm talking to you about what determines uh, which parent is going to get custody of a child. So um, in in my practice, my daily practice, I've been an attorney um, since 2008. I got licensed in 2008. Um, I started uh, school in the year 2000, University of South Carolina in the year 2000. So I've been at this thing for a long time now. And in my journey of doing, uh, representing parents and doing what I do, I have found that one of the most rewarding things that I do is, is work with parents and grandparents. And um, a lot of that is on the level of custody litigation. And uh, custody litigation can be very, very, very emotional. And a lot of times you find yourself in the mix of battles where the parents have gone through uh, previous custody battles in a divorce. So we don't we don't really get involved in a lot of divorce cases unless it's complex custody in the mix of it. Um, but the the uh, parents a lot of times have already had cases in the past and they're here for another case called a modification case. Uh, normally, you have to show a substantial change of circumstance. But there's factors that the court considers in determining which parent is the best fitted parent to have custody of the child or children in most situations. So we call those complex custody litigation cases. So complex is the word that I'm going to focus on a little bit because the cases that we get into um, are, are uh, there's, there's all kinds of layers to them. There's never just a simple issue. So we'll have people call the office all the time. And uh, Blake, y- y'all met him a few weeks ago on here. He's the office manager. And they'll say, hey, can Miss Butler help with this? Um, or if they know that he's my son, say, hey, can your mama help with this? And they try to give him the rundown and he'll listen very intently. But in the end, he can't tell if I can help with that because it is so fact and case by case specific. Um, it is it. I've got the the seventeen factors here pulled up in front of me that I'm going to talk to you about today for deciding custody. So you can never just make that decision in a five minute phone call and say, "Oh yeah, you know, we can go ahead and do this or that." It don't happen like that. You, you just can't do it. That's why it requires an in depth consultation. You know, whether we do that over the phone, there's some protocol that we'll follow. If you can't come into the office, we prefer it in person. Um, 
but we'll follow a protocol. If you can't come in, we'll do it over the phone. But it usually takes about 45 minutes to an hour to get all the information that we need to determine if your case is one that we can take on to, to go with these custody factors. So this is what we're assessing the whole time, exactly what the judge is going to be assessing when you put this case in front of them. Because most of the time in a complex custody case, as soon as you file that custody case, you're actually filing for a, an immediate hearing. You're filing for a temporary relief hearing, which means that you're going to go to court within four, four to six weeks of the date that you file the case. And a judge is going to make a decision based on what you submit in paper. So you're not going to have testimony. You're not going to have the opportunity to get up there and for the judge to see you and hear you and assess your credibility by looking at you. You know, you can always gather more from people when you're looking at them. That's why we, we prefer in person on stuff. We're actually going to uh, start transitioning over to do um, even our phone consultations are going to be in video like this so that we can look at each other. You know, we can we can we can talk to each other because you can tell a lot about a person when you're looking at them as opposed to being on the phone with them. And that's at a temporary hearing when you're going in and asking a judge to decide which one of you should get custody, he can't hear from either one of you. He can see you sitting there beside me or the other party sitting there beside their attorney. But he, and I say he, she, we got many, many, many wonderful female family court judges. Um, shout out to them. Um, so I, I'm not, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway. So then when that judge gets to see you um, sitting there, they can see you, but they cannot hear from you at that temporary hearing. So they can't assess your demeanor and your credibility in the way that you answer the questions. So all that they're getting is what's on the paper that you're submitting to them. And it's so very important that your attorney has put together the packet that we call it and the exhibits to support um, what you're asking the judge to to do so like the past uh, the past couple of cases um, times that we've been in court just this week we've had to ask the judge to um, temporarily suspend some visitation um, that's a very hard thing to ask for and that's a very hard thing to uh, um, get because uh, all in all parents it's presumed should be a part of their child's life and Unless there's exceptional circumstances um, to, to not be. So even in our case, uh, the case we had this morning in Spartanburg, you know, um, exceptional circumstances existed in, in, in the case. And so in those kinds of cases, though, you've got to put it out there to the judge as to what the exceptional circumstances are that's, that's leaning towards and, and mandating that your client get custody of the children um, at the at the hearing, especially at this on paper only hearing. So you're only going to have a testimony trial with exhibits and, and, and mama or daddy testifying a long way down the road, sometimes a year and a half or so after you get into this court battle is the first time that you're actually going to get to speak in court. And if you come up with an agreement between now and then, you don't ever get to speak in court except to say, yes, that's my agreement. But it, but to actually be heard, like testifying and answering questions, you're, that's a long way off. So the temporary hearing is it. So when you prepare that temporary hearing packet, mama or daddy or grandma, um, these 17 custody factors are what we're focusing on to show the judge why we're the best fitted parent to have custody of that child. Now, um, that's up to the judge in the end as to what they determine is best for that child. You know, we've talked about it many times before. 
In family court, the overarching consideration of any family court judge is the best interest of the child. So they have to consider the best interest of the child and all of these 17 factors. And I'm not going to um, go through all 17 factors. I am going to ask Heather to post these at the end. Um, Heather is here with me today. Thankfully, I'm very thankful for that. Love it when she comes to join me and, and uh, talks through stuff with me. But anyway, she's going to post these 17 factors, but I'm going to talk to you about a couple of them that stand out that I want you to understand um, going forward. So uh, the first one that I want to talk to you about uh, that I, I get asked a lot, um, my daughter's 12 now. Can't she decide where she wants to live? Well, that is one of the factors. I mean, I know you all have, have heard that. That's not self-determinative, though. You don't just have a child that just turns a magical age and then they can just pop up and say, oh, I want to live with mama now or I want to live with daddy now. But that is one of the factors. So at number three, the preference of the child is to be considered. And it's not just at age 12. It's it's you know, the age is based on the experience and the education and the maturity level of that child. So let's say you got even a 15 year old that's low functioning and just, you know, don't don't make good grades in school and, and not really understanding a lot. Then that child's preference is going to be given the weight of like a seven year old. But even a seven year old's preference matters and will be considered. But is a but is a seven year old's preference going to be given as much weight as a 17 year old's preference? Can you imagine the differences there? A 17 year old that's about to graduate high school drives himself around, um, has extracurricular activities, has a, a life, probably works. So you know, there, there's all kind of criteria there in determining uh, what, how much weight the judge is going to give to the preference of the child and where the child prefers. So in, in determining the factors, the judge has to assess what weight to give each of these factors in that specific case. So that's why custody cases just get real um, complex real quick, because you don't know which factor the judge is going to focus on the most. And so you want to try um, to make sure that the judge gets all the factors in as compact a packet as you possibly can to make a good determination of which parent should have custody of the child. So let me talk to you about another important one that I think is absolutely significant uh, for my clients, and they know this. Um, it, this is at number seven. It, this is the manipulation by or coercive behavior of the parents um, in an effort to involve the child in the, in the parent's dispute. Essentially, if you are manipulating the child, if you are trying to um, keep the child, if you're trying to put stuff in the child's head to keep the child from wanting to go to that other parent or make the child believe the child don't want to go to the other parent, you know, children are susceptible to influence and their parents are their greatest influence. And so that's a, that's a factor that the court's going to consider on both sides. If either parent is manipulating the child, um, to, to coerce the child to try to go towards the other parent. That's sometimes called parental alienation, just to throw you out a term there that you might want to look up um, that can come into play in these kinds of cases. Parental alienation cases um, where a parent is, is trying to distance a child from another parent, those are some uh, those are some pretty serious cases. But in any event, you do not want to be manipulating your child. Now, you do want to be speaking good into your child. Um, I will tell you that normally the best way to speak good into your child is you never speak negative about the other parent to your child. If there is some negative information 
that the um and 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 this kind of goes in with the factors if there's some negative information that the child needs to be aware of because of protective capacity you know we need our children to be able to protect themselves in situations that they might find themselves in with the other parent then you need you really need to get a counselor involved in that situation and let the counselor um, do that in a, a proper setting um, to where you're not just talking negatively about that other parent it it's not good um, and it's not good in, in your custody battle or for your child or yourself to be talking negatively about that other parent. There's just no reason for it. You're the one that decided to have that child with that other parent. Nobody decided that for you. And if the other parent just automatically turned bad, you know, just because y'all went through a divorce, it's not normally that way. It, it usually don't happen that way. So um, we want to be very careful of that. Now, we'll say that um, there's a lot of times, though, after the parents have divorced and this this other parent has been with somebody else for so long, um, they've kind of turned a new way and they really might end up being in a bad way for your children. They, we are not discounting that at all. And that's what happens a lot of times. It's like this is a different person than the father to my children when we divorced five or seven years ago. And I cannot um, I cannot peacefully send my children there and believe that he's going to protect them because of what he's doing right now. Those are different situations. You still don't have to involve your children in it. And, and the rules, the, the preferences and the factors of custody will, will not be happy and will not be in your favor if you do involve your children in it. So if that's the case, we need to get the children in therapy let them talk through um, that manipulation. And then uh, the last thing is, and this is the one that um, kind of goes hand in hand a little bit with that manipulation factor, but um, I think it, it deserves, it has a spot on its own and it deserves me talking about um, on its own. The actions of a, each parent to encourage and facilitate a relationship with the other side of the family. So not just with the parent, but with the um, with the other parent, it, it, it actually says this is at number five, um, the interaction and relationship of the child with the parent and any other person, including a grandparent who may significantly affect the best interest of the child. So understanding that it does absolutely take a village and if there's been other family members involved in the child's life throughout you know there's been grandparents that have assisted there's been big brothers and sisters there's been aunts and uncles um there's no reason to start cutting those people off when you get in the midst of stuff you, you want to do what's best for your child like if you're the custodial parent the court has trusted you that you are making good decisions that you think are in the best interest of your child. Now, that don't mean you're making perfect decisions. You know, we make decisions every day that we believe are in our child's best interest. And it might come back to bite us. It might come back that, you know, when they're 20 years old and we look back and we say, well, that probably wasn't the best decision that we, you know, that we made then. And, um, you know, we learned from that. But as we're going through it, we, we should always be um, thinking about, is this the best decision for my child or do I have an underlying motive for trying to make this happen? So is it in, is it in my child's best interest? And we want to really focus on making decisions that are in the child's best interest. Um, I'm going to close it up with this because um, I know I have uh, one of, of y'all watching that I've got some good news to give to you from a uh, um, hearing that I just got off of, which made me a couple minutes late coming on here. But when uh when all in all when these 17 factors are considered um 
and there's a piece of paper written and there's a court order telling who has custody and who has visitation and when you're going to visit with your child and the parenting plan is put in place. Uh, just remember, you're the ones and the judges will tell you this. Um, one judge, he used to say it every single time he's retired now, but he'll still hold court sometimes. And he'll say, you're asking me, <clears throat> mom and daddy, to make a decision for your child that I've never met. And then I'm never going to be, and you want me to decide what's best for them when you're the mom and you're the daddy. So all in all, if you can decide what's best for your child, mom and daddy, it really is. If y'all can come to terms on what's best for your children, it's absolutely the best to keep those children out of the court system, keep you out of the court system, make those decisions for yourself. We understand it can't always be, and the court system's here for you if you can't, but you will be encouraged along the way by most of the judges to try to figure that thing out and, and make the decision there for what, what you believe is best for your specific child, because the judge will never meet your child. And all they're going to hear from you in the beginning is what you put on this paper. And they might see a picture of your child. They might see a picture of you, you know, with your daughter, with your son on the boat, um, hanging out at the golf course, um, where, you know, wherever you might be, they might, they might see that picture there, but the picture don't come to say what this mama and what this daddy, you know, are doing for this child. So just understand that if you can come to terms, it's always the best thing for your children, no matter what your situation is. And, and you'll be encouraged for that along the way. So until next time, keep um, keep looking around and, and, and digging through stuff. You really might want to look up the terms that I throw out here to you. But these custody factors are listed at um, South Carolina Code 63-15-240. Uh, number B, letter B as in boy. And, um, and Heather's going to put these in the notes on the podcast and maybe even on the, the Facebook notes. But thank you for joining me. I'll see you again next Thursday and uh, um, keep educating yourself until then.